Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Unloose the Goose podcast. Uh-huh. Where Nicole. Xavier, Sal, and myself today are going to be talking about healthcare and health freedom and natural health and how government always seems to screw it up. And we're going to talk about some solutions and some alternatives to what maybe most people are used to. Welcome. Super duper important topic. And, um, you know, everyone talks about political freedom, but health freedom is extremely important, not only in the context of your relationship uh, and with your body and how the government interferes with that. But, you know, freedom from chronic fatigue, freedom from addiction, freedom from all sorts of ailments. We can live politically free, but still be feeling sick and having all sorts of issues. And, you know, that's not ideal. So how is everybody doing this evening tonight? What's going on? Good, good. How is everyone? It's been a week. Yeah. <laughs> that it has. What's Seven everybody days. drinking? What do you got? I got some hard cider. All right. That looks yeah. good. Oh, Sal, in honor of you. Predictable. All right. I'm so I've, also got, I've also got the bourbon rock. Oh, there you go. Double fisting. <laughs> yeah. Drinking some Kratom. Um, yeah, so this is a podcast about agorism and freedom, and we really like to focus a lot on solutions. And none of us on this podcast, and probably chances are, if you're listening, are very fond of the government. And boy, has government done a number on health care. Uh, it's extremely prescient on people's minds right now with all the pandemic. There's an overemphasis and a huge focus on health. Perhaps there should have been more so before. But uh, specifically the role that government plays in this whole phenomenon of public health, right? And they call the people the health authorities for your local jurisdiction. I want to start off by hearing y'all's thoughts on imagine we are in a free society, no state, no government, different forms of, of voluntary association, social organization. And there is a pandemic which does happen, whether it's fabricated, Wuhan lab or whatever. Uh, pandemics have happened in the past. Um, this one's, I guess, pandemic light. But what does that look like for you guys? Specifically, you know, focusing on the law of equal liberty, where like my rights end, where yours begin, and we're free to go on living our lives as we see fit, as long as we don't interfere with your equal right to do the same. So, Let's do a thought experiment like we're in a pandemic in a free society. What does that look like? Um, obviously, there's no mask mandate and all that stuff. But what does that look like interacting with the other humans, obligations to stay home? Um, you know, what, what do you all think? Why don't we start with you, Sal? Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what. It looks like a, a much uh, a society without the government is certainly a lot healthier. I mean, it's, it's just it's pretty obvious. I mean, everything that they put their hands into uh, what it affects our health. I mean, just think about, for example, we don't like we're everyone's probably thinking that we're going to be discussing the healthcare industry and we are, but think about uh, just the roads, right? Just their monopolization of roads accounts for how many tens of thousands of deaths every year because of their mismanagement of, of the transportation system. And the same could be said of every industry uh, from the, you know, obviously agricultural and food. But to me uh, in a pandemic, I think that, uh, 
there is no role for the state no matter what. There's, there is no legitimate role for them to play whatsoever. It all comes down to respecting uh, the rights of the individual. That's the best way to cure a pandemic or any sort of, like you said, quote unquote, public health uh, outbreak. Right on. So freedom's the answer. What's the question? Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. What about you, Xavier? What about uh, Mrs. DeSalle? I, I want to follow that up because I, I get it. There's no role for the state to play. Um, but what about uh, so this is healthcare, and what about being able to provide actual care? I mean, we've got private hospitals and everybody gets billed and, um, you know, the people who can't afford uh, to go to a hospital who need it because they have the pandemic or whatever flu it might be at the time. What what then is it just uh, survival of the fittest? Well, I think in a, in a free society, healthcare would be a lot more affordable, right? The, the costs of, of healthcare are driven up by regulatory agencies. Right. So in a truly free society, it would be more affordable. We don't have that right now. Yeah. But uh, I agree with you that it is unaffordable. But the reason why it's unaffordable is because of the state, right? So, you know, like John said, the solution is more freedom, uh, you know, not more control. Right, because they have to have malpractice insurance and all of these other things that drives up their prices. Right, right. I'm not even really concerned about the, the tort reform, really. My concern, what I think is the primary cause of, of the cost of health care is the, the Obamacare mandate, right, especially for young people because they're being forced to subsidize these health care policies for older people who are a much greater draw on the system, right? They require a lot more health care resources because they're older and they're getting sick and they're dying and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So the only way to pay for that is to buy making the young people who don't go to the doctor subsidize all that crap so that – disincentivizes people to have health care. Um, I haven't had health insurance since they passed Obamacare because I, I remember, I, I remember I actually so, tried to sign up for it and they wanted like $373 a month. It was, really I was like in my twenties. I'm like, are you crazy? I would never yeah. pay something like that. I don't even, you know, I wouldn't even pay my bills at that point if they were that high. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was just my follow up for, for Sal there, like to, to, for clarification, but in terms of what it would look like in a free society, um, you know, they're there. I mean, the mask mandates that are going on now are unconstitutional. Even if, if we want to say that there is a state and there they have any sort of legitimacy, the Constitution, you know, has any sort of legitimacy, then what they're doing now with the mask mandates is completely ridiculous, especially since the virus is less contagious or less deadly than the flu. Right. It's, it's literally like bonkers um, to have a free society with uh, a pandemic, you know, it. If I were to paint the ideal picture, it would be like what Sal's talking about in terms of healthcare being way more affordable um, and and another service and, and very, very important, a very important service. But that, you know, within each community, there would be the respected healthcare providers within each like what was it? Two hundred and eighty people um, before a system becomes a little bit untenable. Um you know, within all small communities like that, there would be those those healthcare providers whose job it was to look for. Everything would be a lot more decentralized, in my in my opinion. But there would be no uh, quarantining. There would be no forced quarantining. There would be a mass education. Like, hey, everybody, this is exactly what's happening, and you could count on that being the truth and not being a fabricated lie uh, to enslave you further. Um, and people would then be incentivized to make their own decisions. 
Um, much like what happened when the outbreak first started happening in the United States. There were no mask mandates. There were no, you know, uh, quarantines and lockdowns. It was like, we suggest here are the guidelines and let everybody be free. You know, it was 15 days to stop the spread kind of thing. And everybody did. You know what I mean? 15 like, days. Yeah. Like that was like what eight months ago. So, <laughs> you know, so it, but I, I initially thought that the, the, the American population did amazing job of actually like distancing and, and being like, yo, we're just going to pause for a few weeks and just hang out. And like, for the most part, everybody really did that. And I was very proud to be an American at that point. So yeah, uh-huh. Nicole. All right. Fly the flag. All right. What are your thoughts, Nicole? I think in a free society, we would have a lot more options than we have right now for providing care, for providing care to people who cannot afford it, alternative ways of trading for it. And I think anybody or any community in a pandemic would want to work together to minimize its impact. And I think people forget that, mm-hmm. that that, you know, nobody wants to get the bubonic plague and die a horrible death. And they certainly don't want to watch other people get the bubonic right. plague and die a horrible death. So there's this notion that survival of the fittest notion to some extent. Yes. But I don't think it's just going to be a big screw you to everybody who can't afford care because it behooves you and the community to care for people who have something as contagious as a viral infection. And in a, in a pandemic where it's a lot deadlier than the one we're having right now, uh, <laughs> it is survival of yourself to keep it from taking over. Right. Once you figure out how it spreads, you want to do that. I think the question that I would pose and the thing that I, where I see tension is during a pandemic in a free society, you don't have to adhere to the guidelines if nobody's forcing you to. But you also can't force me to do business with you. And yeah. so if I decide you wear a mask in my store or right. in my home. I don't care how that's infringing on your freedoms. You just came into my store. Right. Yeah. And I think there's been, I mean, on the mask issue, I don't understand why people get so triggered about masks as the thing to fight to the death over, but they do. And my opinion the whole time on masks was if a private business really wants it, they, they can say it. Yeah. It's private you know, property. It's private property. And to, to draw the line in the sand at a private business over that is the wrong way. In fact, I had a long debate with a friend about when Walmart decided they were going to do that, right? Because, you know, it's like over my dead body, will I put a mask in in Walmart and it's against the Americans with Disabilities Act and people are going off on all this stuff. And, and people I know who are liberty-based are falling back on regulations that you're like, mm. okay, but do you support that law all the all the rest of the time? And then is that really a free society? Yeah. Right. It's important to be consistent through and through. I so think then the, the other question I have is if somebody is that contagious and is that deadly, how much responsibility do they have if they infect and kill 100 other people? Yeah, it does a lot of the time come down to personal responsibility. And then one of the problems is we can't expect everyone to be 100% personally responsibility uh, responsible. And then there's all sorts of different information that people have in different views altogether. And I, I envision decentralization, like Xavier said, one of the problems is whenever 
all of the health decisions and the health uh, philosophy is centralized. And it's like a one size fits all top down approach. At least there's competing nation states. And we got to see like Sweden's approach versus China's or the US's, for example. But when I think of a free society, I think of multiple different, different free societies, free societies. If you have like a default template where people can experiment with different forms of social organization or governance, then different, there's more choice and different people will flock to different systems. So if it was decentralized, maybe there's like city states or intentional communities or whatever, then the people that I, who I would choose to live with, and this is what we hope to do, are people that are way into natural health. And if a weaker virus or weaker pandemic comes along, then some people will just be like, well, we're going to get it inevitably, or if we get it, we're not really worried about it. Our parents, our grandparents are all healthy because we've been this long tradition of natural health. And then there could be another society that is has a lower risk threshold because they practice more allopathic or more reactionary type medicine, or maybe because there's more sick people in that culture. So I think if we were to decentralize things, then people could act differently in a health crisis and that would be okay because we're still doing our thing over there. You're doing your thing. But I would still expect people in my society, if they're sick or if they have something really hardcore like Ebola, to take it upon themselves to isolate or to self-quarantine, right? Um, and other societies could be more more strong about that, but it's all to each their own. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, if every – two things. We're trying to move ostensibly – Oh, it must have been really good what he was about to say because like, his internet glitched. You're back. The World Health so, Organization got involved. Yeah. There. there they so are. My assumption is that we are trying to move to a class one civilization, right? A global civilization, exploring the stars, that sort of thing. Um, that Everything that I'm going to be saying comes from that basis. And I don't know if that's what you all think or feel, but... Is in, that from something? Is that term from something or some school of thought? Oh, yes. Yeah. Class, so class one civilization is basically uh, on the Kartev, Kartev scale. Um, like a class zero civilization is barbaric nation states warring against one another. Uh, they haven't, you know, traversed the solar system. Class one, uh, that's the class zero. Class one is, you know, a global government and, you know, transversing the stars and, and starting to uh, colonize different planets and things. So the... The, the assumption here that I have, and it might not be one that everybody has, but that we are trying to move towards a greater state of uh, knowing civilization, expression of civilization, all of that. And in that kind of a model, what you're talking about with decentralized different, uh, different, let's say, categories of healthcare or even education or um, standardization of education, all of that, that you have uh, so much potential for disparity. And that's what causes conflict, in my opinion. How do you reconcile that in terms of like, we want what's best for everybody. Uh, so how are we going to provide healthcare for everybody that's at an equal level? Not, you know, some voodoo doctor, you know, destroying a chicken over your, your, your Ebola body, right? Like how, how do you, how do you address that besides education? I think like the only way to do that is to let the market allocate resources. Like the only way to properly know uh, where healthcare healthcare resources should go is to allow the market and entrepreneurial behavior to determine that. If we allow, like John was saying, this sort of centralized 
top-down management, it can only distort the market. So like when the state tries to do some sort of, they have some good idea that they have to enforce by at the point of a gun. It's such a good idea. They have to. Can't be a good idea. Gun in your face to, to yeah. do it. They, they only distort what the market would naturally, the, the natural allocation of resources. Yeah. I, I get, to answer the, you know, the voodoo doctor kind of thing, I, I guess you're operating for the assumption that we want to have a homogenous form of social organization for the whole globe or. I don't know about that. I just, that... I, I, it's like, uh, how do we get to a, a planetary peace without some sort of like agreed upon set of rules? Imagine like rule is leave us alone. We could probably get there. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, is there a basic standard of care that everybody gets all the time? There should be, but should it be forced? I don't see how that can work. I agree. I think like if we, if we really let the market take hold, I think we would have things like, like, uh, like we have like an Uber for, for knee surgeons, right? Like we would have like these sort of like experts develop on very like specific niches in healthcare. Yeah. Especially it was like deregulated. One of the biggest problems in healthcare is, is licensing and the, the American Medical Association, because by requiring healthcare licenses, what they do is they restrict the supply of doctors and that just drives up the cost. And, uh, it's, it's really just a cartel, right? So this is just exactly like the Federal Reserve is to banks as the American Medical Association is to doctors. It's the same right. exact structure. And it's the same, of course, the same negative consequences. Mm-hmm. Most people, when you tell them that, they're like, oh, well, uh, how am I going to know that my doctor isn't some crazy guy uh, who's just, you know, <laughs> off the street right. or like that? <laughs> well, the point is, like, the market, this person would be out of business. They, would, they wouldn't be doing, they wouldn't be a doctor in a free market because no one would be, no one would be going to them. Yeah. Well, what about the snake oil salesmen of the early 1900s? Like, we don't, we, we have the potential now for all the information to be disseminated quickly. So that, that could negate well, that. You, but like, there, the, like, the reason the FDA consumer, and all that happened. There is a certain amount of responsibility in yeah. figuring out if something's good or not. And that is true in today's healthcare system now. Oh, like how many up. of us have had bad experiences or poor care, right? I had, there is an, emer- an urgent care here that I will not go to now yeah. unless I'm desperate because they're terrible. I drive 20 minutes more to the one that works mm-hmm. and I had to figure that out. Snake oil salesmen will exist in the society, but as your reputation gets out there, I think people realize it. Yeah. yeah. And one person's snake oil is another person's essential oils. Kratom. And yeah, like Kratom or CBD. You know, I've actually, people have said that I sell snake oil. They're like haters and don't even right, really right. understand what it is. What do they but, know? Yeah. What do they oil know? A snake, right? Autofab. Ah. Um, but it's even just the voodoo thing, like who, who am I to say that that's not a proper health care, right? Or proper care. And maybe there's something there. Like you could talk about Jesus Christ as a voodoo kind of healer in right, one context, right. you know? And of course he was using essential oils and it was probably like some Eastern, this was before Eastern, I guess. Well, I guess maybe it predated Jesus, some of those Eastern remedies, but there was something to that. And then maybe there is a spiritual component as well, like mind over matter. We are all energy. And obviously if you're in a negative, scary place and you're focused on the cancer or whatever's going on, you're not as going to have a, a good a time as if you're feeling positive. People are praying for you. You're yeah. seeing your family and stuff. So I think the thing with healthcare is it's something that I kind of am just like, I want to honor your right to do whatever, experiment with whatever, because I do some weird stuff. 
You know, like MMS. I don't know if anybody knows about MMS. It's not very far off chemically from bleach, although it's not bleach, but that's what the opponents (laughs) will say. And it really helps to kill pathogens in your body and not harm the good cells in your body, like antibiotics, for example. But people are put in a cage for that, you know. So it's one of those things where I would hope other human beings would be civilized enough to give me that equal respect because I want to give it to them. But people are brainwashed. People are indoctrinated, even the authority. We've talked a lot about how people just kind of give up authority in different areas, school, religion, medical, especially. And that whole establishment, not only is it licenses, but they're all licensed in the same school of thought, which is an allopathic reactionary type medicine. So I'd like to do things that we can do to kind of just opt out of that and at least be protected in doing our crazy snake oil stuff. I mean, at one point, all new medicine was snake oil in the beginning, right? Yeah. Like, imagine the first guy who's like developing penicillin. And they're like, "What are you doing playing with fungus?" Like I'm that ends up being a weirdo, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about do y'all do you what? How far are you guys on your journey to natural health? Or you guys have any special diets you go along with, avoiding GMOs and stuff? And then whenever there is some sickness, are y'all into colloidal silver? Or like, what's that world like for y'all? Well, I have used MMS. I've found it to be really extraordinary. I am, I have not had to go to a doctor for as long as I can remember. I had like surgery on my knee because a pencil got stuck in it a long time ago when I was a kid, but. It's a um, hardcore studying session there. Dude, yeah. (laughs) I I generally like take really good care of myself and um, I eat less than what the FDA says, for instance, like. The food pyramid? Yeah, yeah. You know, at that, I, I, I eat about a thousand calories, maybe 1200 a day. I don't really keep track of it. Um, and that gives the cells time to actually regenerate themselves. So if they're not constantly taking new information, they actually last longer. It's been proven in a bunch of different studies. Um, so yeah, I, I do a lot of herbs. My wife is an herbalist. So we have like a great, uh, a great, uh, pantry of, of herbs for all kinds of different things. Um, and just generally eat food as medicine, you know. Yeah, I, yeah um, I, I've basically I've basically the same story. I just I've tried all the different health, um, the sort of natural stuff. I just try to like eat right and take care of myself. I go to the doctor like once a year for like a checkup, and I, I've thank God, not good. I've been I've been alright ever since. So that's awesome. I I just don't go. I like <laughs> unless I'm dying, don't take me to a hospital. Don't take me to a doctor. Don't take me to anybody because more often than not. Uh, not that I know more than them, but like I ask them a lot of tough questions and they're challenging, you know. They're like, "Oh, you've been researching Google, haven't you, son?" <laughs> right. Duck, duck, go. What about you, Nicole? You got any Tennessee backwoods remedies? I I have an increasing number of them the longer I live here. So I've, I recently was invited by somebody to learn what she calls old world remedies, and I haven't gone to her house yet, but I'm excited to do that because it's it's some of the same. Uh, wild plants that I forage on a regular basis. So if you, if, if anybody listens to my podcast, I do a featured forage every week and it's usually something that I'm finding in Tennessee right now. And in this area, which since Xavier likes to go to North Carolina sometimes, similar abundance of herbal remedies just yeah. kind of grow. And then you can go collect them and dry them or turn them into tinctures. And since so since moving here, I've learned more and more and more about natural remedies. I do. I put Western medicine in a place, though. I will use it like I do get my cancer, my female cancer screening every year. And 
you know, I don't know what I would do if I was diagnosed with cancer, if I would go into traditional uh, Western solutions or die, I'd probably dive pretty deeply into herbal remedies. If I'm inflamed, I have turmeric that I take. So there's, there's all of these different herbal remedies I'll take. And then to, you know, to just echo what Sal and Xavier say, how you treat your body and your mind is so important about your health. And I haven't always treated myself well. So now I treat myself well. Like today was this whole week, the last two weeks have been crazy for me. And at some point during the day, I just say, screw it. I'm going for a walk by myself. Yeah. I'm turning my phone off. I don't care what dies right now. Right. Because I need that moment to reset. And I think it's one part what you put in your body from a nourishment stand, standpoint and also what you put in your body spiritually and mentally makes a huge difference in, in how you do health wise. I think also it's really important to eat genetically, meaning if you know what your people have eaten throughout time, like whatever, if you're Scottish and this, like I'm, I'm part Swiss, part Mediterranean, part Brazilian, like I've got a bunch of different things, but my diet, somebody asked on YouTube, you know, what do you eat? And I eat a lot of meat and cheese and bread. And then I also eat a lot of greens um and like tabbouleh, parsley, nutrient-dense food. So the stuff you get at the grocery store is not as nutrient-dense as what grows on your farm, right, Nicole? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. and, and like better wild stuff, even more so than, than agriculture, like nettles. Like nettles grow and we don't have to do anything and they're super nutrient-dense. So, and I'll drink nettle tea often here and, 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 and that sort of thing. Um, Vitamin the, D in those. Yep. Yep. And the other question that we got on YouTube was what do the agorists or what do the geese, um, what do they see about a black gray market solutions to healthcare? And that's from Nicholas Kobe. I've got a, I've got a good one. So, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with X, you might know this, uh, docademic, right? It's a medical token. And, uh, I think it's only available right now for people in, uh, for Americans in Florida, but it's, it's available widely in Latin America. Essentially, the idea is that um, your healthcare data, you own it, right? Rather than like Mark Zuckerberg or, or Jack at Twitter owning your, your private data, right. you take your healthcare data, you allow uh, Docademic to uh, give it to university researchers and doctors and whatnot. And in return for that data, they give you free healthcare services. So you have once a month, you could do telemedicine appointments for free with doctors. And there's a whole list of benefits uh, available. But that's just one uh, one example. Of, go ahead. Can you spell that? Yeah, yeah. It's D-O-C-A-D-E-M-I-C. I think it's just called Doke Token is the name of the cryptocurrency that they use. Okay. Uh, so that's that's just one example of like a gray market solution. But there's also a lot of these... Uh, like like uh, John was talking about a lot of these herbal remedies, I think maybe he can expand on this are, are pretty good uh, gray market solutions to some of the sort of backwoods um, government programs. The third thing real quick is like, look at, for example, the movie Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, that's a great example of yeah. uh, gray market smuggling to get around FDA regulations to save thousands or hundreds of people's lives or at least make them better. That's a good one. Um, yeah, I think it's, it, I think it could be, well, Konkin had this really broad definition of counter economics, or maybe it was agorism, and it was like anything that's against the state, basically, which is pretty general. Um, so in a sense, if you have this statist medicine, which would be those medicines approved by the FDA, 
big pharma, this whole uh, medical congressional industrial complex apparatus, then anything that's not that would be counter economic or would be agorist. And so anytime that you can help your body to heal itself through alternative remedies, through natural alternatives, I think that could be, you know, that's against the state because the state wants people to be sick. The state wants people to be weak and the state and their cronies with the revolving door, they want to make money off of people that are sick and caught in that paradigm. And I have the privilege of, I don't know if it's a privilege. I have the right to do this, but whatever. Um, my business, Brave Botanicals, I sell Kratom. And I really appreciate it because it helps a whole lot of people with a whole variety of ailments. But it's also very anti-state. It's illegal in six different states, although it's just a powderized leaf of a tree. Um, the FDA tried to put get the DEA to ban it federally, adding it to Schedule 1 along with LSD and cannabis. I remember that. Uh, back in 2016, they failed. There was massive pushback. And now the FDA is pushing out so much propaganda, and they put out these little dinky press releases. They do the same thing where there's like a COVID death, and it's someone that died from a motorcycle accident, but they had COVID. They were COVID positive. Well, they have kratom-related deaths where someone got shot and they had kratom right. in their system. Someone died yeah. with oh, heroin and fentanyl and they had kratom and it's a kratom related death. But, you know, it does feel good to to offer that to people. And I think focusing on that colloidal silver, MMS is radically anti-state. You know, there's there's all these alternatives that are anti-state in themselves. And then getting out of health insurance. So I do a health share. We talked about it on previous shows. I think there's mm-hmm. some interest from some of the audience. It's called Zion Health Share. Uh, most of the health shares are Christian based and they make you like vow that you go to church and that you're Christian and stuff, which I mean, if you it wouldn't be a very Christian thing to do, but you could just mislead them. But I didn't want to do that. And I wanted to find a really solid one. So it's called Zion Health Share. And I pay like two hundred and seven dollars a month. And the way that it works is if there's a catastrophic accident that's, you know, an emergency, I have to pay up to one thousand dollars and everything else is covered by the network. It's perfect for me because I never go to the doctor. I don't have any prescriptions or anything. Um, and so, but I am covered like if there's a car accident or a broken bone or a genuine need for that. And so one of the things that I want to do with the Freedom Cell Network is once we reach a good enough size for us to create our own health share. Now, it could be totally agorist and a voluntary thing. Maybe we tokenize it or something, um, although it could just be a business that is kind of like a satellite an actually legal entity. I don't know what that's going to look like, but there's no reason why our liberty community and the gaggle of geese and the agorists and stuff can't have our own type of, of health share program, which would idea. be anti-state yeah. for sure to get actually, out of that system. What, what, one of the things that we wanted to put in fire on that I was looking into heavily for the past two years was a privatized uh, cooperative healthcare, like, uh, like where you, um, a, you get your prescriptions at a lot less. There's another bit to the, the black market, gray market for healthcare, and that is uh, medical tourism, right? You can go to another country. You, the, the flight, the hotel, all of like even like some travel, if you have like a dental problem, if you go to Mexico, still costs less than what you would have to pay here in the States, yeah. right, because of, of the healthcare system. So there's, there's that for – and people go to Thailand. There's a number of different places where you can get – um, a whole vacation plus your medical care uh, for a, like half the price of what you pay here. So that's a that's a black gray market. And that's because of the decentralization of nations. So that's cool. Um, in regards to the privatized like group cooperative healthcare, there are a number of solutions. I'm glad you put Zion Healthcare 
our health share. Oh, and I don't know if you said this, but big shout out to all of the folks who are helping us get the links for all the cool things that we're talking about um, and putting them up in the show notes for us. Thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, I think that like we were looking into doing this membership where you pay a certain amount a month and you get access to discounted drugs from, you know, Canada or Mexico. And because it's a cooperative and because you're you're paying for it um, in, in, in like your your membership fees. Uh, we can get those drugs at a huge discount. I don't know how that's changing now with Trump doing the whole like um, uh, drug reform, but you know that's also that's also something to look into. There are there are healthcare providers who are like family health doctors, and you can join them and pay them a month, and they'll be your healthcare provider. Uh, there, we, we were part of that in Asheville, North Carolina, for a yeah, while. Yeah, that's called concierge medicine, where you pay a it's, subscription to the doctor. Yep. So if you're Googling it in your area, look for a concierge provider. Oh, and thanks. then direct care is another term to use uh, for finding. These are doctors. This is great. This concept, direct care. It's not a black or a gray market. It's perfectly legal. Mm-hmm. Get this. Okay, so you go to the doctor and they do something. And then when you leave, you know what you do? Pay the doctor. No third parties. That is yeah. the latest in healthcare ingenuity <laughs> for health freedom. Right. And um and I've always okay, so I'm always amused by it because that's the way it used to work. Right. Right? And then we mucked it all up with insurance and and mandates and all this other stuff. And at the end of the day, the solution to making things easier and to bring costs down is direct care. Yeah. It's like when the government it takes too much control and screws things up so much. They almost yeah. force the innovation and in, in all the alternatives. I have another agorist approach. Uh, my naturopath, he was a chiropractor, and so he had a legal medical license so he could practice medicine, right? But then he started, I don't know, at the same time, but he started doing all sorts of alternative stuff, like some pretty hardcore stuff, a lot of energy medicine, uh, kinesiology, and all sorts of cool stuff. And this wasn't accepted with the modern licensing establishment. So he started experimenting with uh, working with an Indian reservation that would give out the health license. So it's protected under their federal rights that they have. And then that didn't go far enough. So he joined this pastoral medicine association where he's practicing medicine as an ordained pastor, uh, which gives him first amendment protection. So at the end of the day, He's pushing back so much and like he doesn't pay his taxes and stuff. He's a pretty cool rebel agorist and they took away the original license, but it didn't change anything for the guy. You know, he also got blasted by some folks for not wearing a mask and trying to go to this canoe place in Austin and people freaked out because they didn't want to wear a mask to rent a canoe. Right. And I was defending them and they're like, you know, that guy doesn't even have a license. Right. I'm like, yeah, well, he's still. I have benefited immensely from this gentleman license right. or not. We don't need your stinking badges. So right. opportunity out there. The state forces all the opportunity. I know somebody who two different groups, actually two different individuals. One has found now get this. This is crazy, but it, it, it evidently works. Curing cancer with essential oils injected directly into the bloodstream. 
Now YouTube's banning uh, us right there. Dude, yeah. The feed. I'm just saying, I I know somebody who did that, and and it was working, and it was curing like stage four cancers. Wow. Um, I do not recommend this. Do not go injecting <laughs> yourself with. Don't put with, peppermint in your blood right now. Right, or right. disinfectant. <laughs> yeah, no, or disinfectant, or bleach, right. or anything. But they they actually, and, and and I might not be speaking to it correctly, but they used some sort of essential oil to do this and not like your, you know, whatever Detora or whatever the, the, the brand doTERRA. is. Doterra. Doterra. Thank you. Um, but they, they, and the way they had to do it was they had to become a church and they legally were able to do this very quietly and they can't, you know, advertise it or whatever. And then the other was um, somebody who was providing vitamin C, but I think it was colloidal vitamin C or, um, uh, liposomal vitamin C, right? Like you can go get emergency packets or, you know, vitamin C over the counter, but it's like citric acid. It's not real, uh, you know, bodily available, bioavailable vitamin C. Um, and this person creates their own and you have to join a membership and they actually vet you, you know, they'll do background checks on you and all of this stuff. Cause it's super private and they could totally get into trouble for it. Um, and they, yeah, they, they're able to provide liposomal vitamin C private in a private club, basically, where you have to join the club and, and, you know, attest to the fact that you are of sound mind and body and all of this and, and, you know, making your own choices as a human being. So there are ways around all of the, the state in terms of healthcare. Um, and many of them are legal and many of them are gray, right? Areas. Um, so. Yeah. Another gray approach is not to frame it as a cure. C word. That's that's the thing. Right. So there are so many ways to help people medically without saying you're helping people medically. Yeah. And so when sometimes so I'm never sure what line on the podcast to go over for things like something as simple as mullen tea which helps with colds and respiratory problems and asthma and all of these other things. I can't say it cures those or I can't say it helps with those or, you know, like the language around it is, is, and framing seems to make a bigger difference about if the hammer comes down. Cause when we're talking about gray, gray solutions or gray market solutions, we're pretty much talking about, I don't want to be noticed. I don't want to be noticed enough that the FDA comes in with their guns and smashes all my jarbs of tea. Right. Basically. It's a fine line. (laughs) Which sounds absurd, but it's not. It is not absurd. And so that goes beyond just the herbal approach into people finding prescriptions on accident and stuff like that. Yeah, like elderberries are a great antiviral and they're sold as an antiviral. And it's like 50 bucks for a little bottle like this, you know, and if you know what they look like, it's really easy to go harvest them, put them down into a tea and add some honey and boom, you've got the same thing that you could buy on a shelf. And that is shipped over state lines as a remedy, which is great. Lock them up. Yeah. Yeah, like criminals. So it's education, right? It's it's accessing education, thinking critically, thinking for yourself, uh, trusting in your intuition, not worrying about what the rest of the herd thinks, Mm -hmm. uh, but being able to educate yourself and find the right kind of um, the right kind of solutions, right? Yeah, listening to your body is, is critical. You got something, Sally, about to say something? I was just going to say, I think, like, when we talked about, like, what are some agora solutions, right? We're just talking about voluntary exchange. So fines 
uh, a medical professional that you that you like that whose whose values coincide with yours that you trust who you think is a, a smart person and uh, you know trade with them and that, that's what I do I just try to I, I try I use one primary care physician who I really trust and I think we're on the same page and you know I I don't I'm not an expert right so when I take my car to the mechanic it's because I don't know how to fix it it's the same thing with the human body if there's something wrong I go to a professional right so. Right on. I think, um, so I, like, I, I try to avoid the doctor like the plague, um, and only when it's like super duper severe. For example, I, uh, had tooth problems for the longest time, really bad tooth infection. And I created this C word for it for the dental carry. Uh, it was colloidal silver, activated charcoal, xylitol, and then you, I'm sorry, bentonite clay activated charcoal xylitol and then you use colloidal silver to turn it into a thick paste and you pack it on pack it on pack it on literally for like three or four years this was a tooth i got a root canal on it would bother me then i got a root canal i didn't want to do the root canal because my ex-wife her mom had major nerve damage from a root canal but even when i got the root canal it still continued to bother me so this tooth pack would work but until the tooth pack didn't work and it got so bad that my jaw was like completely swollen totally problematic i had to have emergency surgery so I think there is a place for the medical doctor, the MD, the allopathic for emergencies, especially, or for checkups. If you want to get your advice from the MD. Um, but there's also like, there's been a de-emphasis on the natural health and the Eastern school of thought and the idea that when our body is given the proper nutrients and avoiding toxins, the body can miraculously heal itself. Maybe it's not a miracle at all. A lot of people don't know the history of that. It was actually the pesky Rockefeller Foundation who are like at the nexus of all this hardcore tyranny and growth of, of evil government. They funded medical schools and started adding the allopathic Western medicine branch and slowly started minimizing the influence of the Eastern natural school of thought and the nutrition even. And they had a big role in shifting that in large part. They had a big role in big pharma becoming a big thing. And now fast forward, here we are today where traditional medicine, you know, it's kind of like conventional food is the food that has the chemicals and stuff, you know, right. And so we're like seen as weirdos for doing the stuff that's been done for thousands of years. Yeah. But I think people just need to know what's out there and try to become your own authority and to listen to your body. Weston A. Price did a whole book on proper nutrition and he went to go prove essentially that uh, our Western diet was better than the old diets of the, of the, around the world. And he went proving that the, the people of, uh, you know, Africa and Australia, that they, they probably had horrible dental problems and everything. And it turned out they didn't. Turns out that they were eating, you know, raw meats and, and like really nutrient dense stuff. And their teeth were amazing. Their gums were amazing. They had no dental problems when they were older and they had square jaws and all of this, you know, stuff. And so he, he basically put out this book about how to eat nutrient dense food. And a lot of, Food clubs started springing up where they had raw milk and then they had the FDA or whoever running in with guns and, 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 you know, raiding them. You know, we talked about that a couple of episodes ago. And, um, the, the, the thing there is again, back to the nutrient dense stuff and some of the old school ways of doing things. This is why I say eat to your genetics because it's what your body's most used to and having that nutrient dense stuff 
seems so weird now, but that's like how it's been done for thousands of years, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and when it comes from your land, you eat less of it. Right. That's the other thing is like I know from when I was traveling, I was probably now 30 pounds heavier when I was on the road all the time because I was buy- buying food at the grocery store. Right. And I know that sounds psycho. And now I grow a lot of food or I get it from nearby and it just hasn't been out and traveling very long. And I'm just not that hungry anymore. I think a key component of handling health, though, from an Agora standpoint is <laughs> if you don't need it, then you don't have a problem. And so there's almost like this desperate drive to stay healthy just so you can stay out of there, right? Yeah. It's a terrible system. And then there's like social service workers yeah. and you bring your kids somewhere and they're like, why haven't you done this and vaccinations and all sorts of stuff? I mean, I am ready to leave this country if I can, if anything major goes wrong, be- not just because it's cheaper in another country. They're treating you better there now. The the thing about other countries, we say America is the freest country in the world, and it's like nah, yes and no. The 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 in in a place like let's say Uruguay, right? Um, the the technocracy there is not as widespread as it is in the United States, and the infiltration of the state is not as widespread because. There's no impetus for it. There's no like, let's try to control it because everybody's like, fucking do whatever, right? And so, like, the laws might be more uh, impactful or, or uh, authoritarian, but the people enforcing them just don't. It's like, who cares, right? It's like if you're not hurting anybody. So, there, in, in a lot of old world countries or whatever, there's still a lot of that sort of like, if it's not bothering anybody, like, why are we gonna, you know? bust somebody's ass for this. Whereas I think here in the Western world where, you know, you've got so much social media, so much uh, media in general, like fucking with people's heads. It's, it, it's almost like it's more dystopian in a supposedly free society. And that, that's, that's what makes it so ironic just to tie that point back to what John was saying about, you know, isn't it funny how people look at like us as we're crazy as a course, as we're crazy for preferring natural health solutions when, they're the crazy ones for trusting politicians to have any control over their health care. Right. These, these, these are the same people who dropped a nuclear bomb. They've committed genocides multiple Atrocity. times. Yeah. yeah. Those are the ones that. who, like, what kind of conspiracy theorists are you to think that they should be in charge of your health care? That's crazy. And is anybody else, like, astounded that people still don't get it after the COVID theater of the last, like, five months? Well, didn't the WHO just come out and say, oh, surprise, diet and exercise does uh, sort of help? Yeah, and vitamin D does. Yeah, one more. The CDC, you know, the the Center for Disease Control said only 9,610 people died from COVID alone. 9,000. And people are wearing masks like it's a fucking religion. And I'm scared. I'm scared walking around society being like, Hey, can I have a conversation with you about this? Like before you impose this ridiculous bullshit, you know, and it, 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 it boggles my mind that people actually believe it. And they're giving the, the president, whether, what, whatever you think about the orange Cheeto or not, he's like, they're giving him grief about like, you didn't take this seriously enough. And it's like, but he did. And, you know, we did all this stuff together as a country. We agreed to do this shit together and we did. And like, like, the death rate's nothing now, like almost literally nothing. And people are still like social distancing. There's still signs on the floor. People are acting weird. It's like, come on. 
And most of those deaths, especially in terms of coronavirus, I mean, what was it, like 40 to 50% of the deaths surrounding coronavirus came from uh, Phil Murphy, Andrew Cuomo, and like yeah. Tom Wolf, Newsom, and then I think Whitmer, those five governors who yep. all forced uh, old people who had coronavirus into nursing homes. Yep. That was like most of, of the of the deaths right there. So it all came from the COVID butcher. Somebody's calling Cuomo the COVID butcher. Yeah, yeah. The, I call him the butcher of Broome County because they had <laughs> so many deaths up there. Dude. There was a study that saw millennials out of any other group have the greatest misperception of the risk for themselves and for other groups. And they had no idea that a significant proportion of the deaths are from very older folks. Yeah. I want to point out, it's not just older folks. Somebody got on to me early on in the pandemic when I was like, we need to be concerned about older folks. And this guy was like, Hey, Hey buddy, it ain't just age. You know, I'm yeah. old and I'm very healthy. So I think that's something that's really important. And I hope more people can, this can put things in perspective because the evidence does show like, I don't think it's a hoax or it's completely fake. Right. I do think that there is a virus out there, whether it's man-made or not. And it's just not as harmful as the government or as the media wanted people to believe. But one thing that is clear is if you're very unhealthy or if you have all these pre-existing conditions, a lot of them in large part are preventable through good health and good diet. Right then you're going to fare so much better if you come into contact with the virus. And that's a big takeaway that I hope people are going to pay attention to. I've seen yeah. that in business and natural health industry. So I think people, it's people are more conscious of it at least. That's a big takeaway. Yeah. Right. I think, yeah. No, no, I'm with you hundred um, percent. I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. To me, it's just sort of it's sort of crazy. Like if you are concerned about a pandemic or, or you're concerned about somebody not having a vaccine or anything like that, you are free to stay indoors. You're free to close your business and stay home. No one told you you had to come so, come socialize with the rest of us. Yeah. It's right. just if, 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 if I'm not afraid, then that's that's on me. So I, you have no right to impose your your health decisions on me. You can't tell me I have to muzzle myself. Right. Unless, like Nicole said, it's I'm in your house or I'm in your property or something like that. That, of course, would be the one exception. You only have control over your own body. How does yeah. that go for you for vaccines? Right. Like if you get a vaccine, doesn't that make you immune to something? So why would you be afraid of somebody who hasn't gotten a vaccine? They are the ones that should be afraid by that logic. Right. I have a, a friend here in New York who's like some big shot doctor at one of these hospitals and she makes all kinds of money. And I said that to her. And she's like, well, what about little kids? What? Because she's, you know, all these New York liberals over here. Yeah. She's like, what about little kids? I'm like, well, that's on the parents, right? Like, if if you if that's on you, like, to to do your research and to know what the proper course of action is. And little kids are barely even getting getting sick from it. They had to invent this like inflammatory syndrome when they realized people weren't really concerned for their kids because no one's no one's getting sick. There, so everyone always calls people selfish if they don't want to wear a mask, right? And I participated in they this. Yeah, they do. That's yeah, the thing. Also, if you don't get a vaccine, and if right. you have I social never distance, had a flu shot, and I'm selfish. Yeah, I'm, and if you continue I'm, to go to events or to spend time with people outside of your pod. Wow. Um, I went to this protest, and it's crazy that this is a protest these days. It's peak 2020, but we went to a watering hole in Austin, Texas. It was actually Alex Jones that encouraged a whole lot of people to go love him or hate him. I'm not a big fan, but I thought this was cool when he was getting involved locally, pushing back. And so you're required to wear masks when you're at this outdoor swimming area. 
And then the city closed off these hike and bike trails and you have to have a reservation and you have to social distance and stuff. So Jones stormed it down. I took, I shared this like live videos, like three and a half minutes showing. I love the scene. Yeah, it was really cool and beautiful. And it was a lot of Trump. Most of the people were all trumped out, but it was still a cool scene. And I participate, I appreciated the non-cooperation. And so, man, it ended up going super viral, got way more views than my normal Facebook Live videos. And a good chunk of it was people that were inspired, supportive, hoorah, it's good to see this. But there was a lot of people because some other people shared it and they're like, these are super spreaders. And they were on there extremely hateful, hoping that I get COVID and deny me medical access. And in two weeks, there's going to be a huge surge from this. And you're selfish. And, you know, I'd like to flip that around. It's not selfish to go about your life, to have personal responsibility over your own health. What's selfish is to expect everyone else yeah. to stoop down to your level of fear or your right. level of risk. Right. Well, it's not was saying you can stay home. You can shield this. You can shift that. But to expect everyone else to. But then the question comes down to what if it was like a 1918 Spanish flu? Well, everybody would effing know. I mean, if it were a real fucking pandemic, there would be fucking evidence everywhere. Yeah. Like, like there would be people dying in the streets and hospitals overflowing. Like what? Remember in the beginning, they were showing us pictures. Remember in the beginning in uh, Hong Kong, people were dropping dead in the street. Where are they? Why isn't that happening? I haven't seen that. Right. That never happened anywhere else. That was some good propaganda right there. It could have been. I mean, that's what a, that's what a communist nation does the best propaganda. Well, and there is a reason that we all stayed home for two weeks because it worked. Yeah. That's what I said. Like I came, I even posted on Instagram. I stayed home for, I stayed home for six weeks. Yeah. Seriously. We were up in the mountains. We're like, F this, you know, if it, uh, again, I was not afraid of the virus because we, we have elderberry. We have all these things that we do to take care of ourselves. I was afraid of like how people were going to respond because it was scary to watch those videos in China. And it was scary like to the rest of the world when like Iran, like everybody was dying there. And then Italy, you know, like There's I have friends mass graves and, and stuff. Yeah, it was serious in Italy. Like it was a real deal. Um, and their hospitals were overwhelmed and all of this stuff. But like when it came here, everybody just stayed at home by, by, by like, we're Americans and we're going to get together and do this together. And like, we're going to get together and stay apart, you know, like, and they did. And I was like, wow. And then, you know, then there, there, there hasn't been. There hasn't at all. There's been no, whatever he was about to say. You you cut off as there hasn't been any. And then you went into no real evidence. I mean, people have gone into hospitals and filmed and there's like emptiness and it's like, What are you going to do? Yeah. Somebody's making a bunch of money on these big conversions of football stadiums. And they converted the convention center here in Travis oh, yeah. County for overflow. Never yeah. had to use it whatsoever. Right. Kept moving the goalposts. Like originally it was to slow the spread. Right. And it's like, okay, this, the spread slowed. And then it was like, well, we got to make sure we don't overwhelm the hospitals because that's going to have all sorts of indirect consequences. Right. It's like, okay, some places kind of peaked up there. Most places stayed at normal capacity, which they said it was like we're at 80 percent capacity in these hospitals. I went and did research. 80 yeah. percent capacity is the norm. And right. it's like private hospitals, they want to have high capacity like a hotel, you know. Right. And then they're like, well, we need to make sure that the infection rate's a certain percentage. And then we got school coming up soon. So we got to stay closed. Well, for no, that. They always just report positive case tests, right? Yeah. yeah. More tests. So then, then it comes out, they're testing up your nose and in your mouth, and that's two positive tests. 
my God. And then you don't know how many tests, you know, they just say the number of tests of positive results, not how many total tests were given. Like the whole data manipulation of this should have people pissed off and screaming about it. And that's what I find frustrating. Nobody's questioning anything. Well, because a lot of people are a sociopath if you don't wear a mask. And it's like, how, like, how can you, how can you mislabel people who are thinking logically and could help everybody wake up and, and get out of the fear that they're in if you're going to like label them as some sort of terrible thing? You know, it's like, thank God I am a sociopath and don't care what anybody thinks of me. <laughs> I, I haven't worn the mask uh, once. Actually, that's not nice. I, I took, I take my cat to the vet and he was like dying. So I had to like put the mask on, but I, I got, I got out of that halfway through it, but that was the only time I've worn it. And uh, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm like 10 minutes from New York city. So people look at me like I am like Satan around here. I've had the cops come. They've called the cops on me like two or three oh. times. Like, it's insane. Hey, man, Halloween's coming. You can get, like, little horns and just wear them around. I know. I know. It's crazy. But they had uh, a hospital ship, like, one of those we have, like, the U.S. has two hospital ships. One of them yeah. was uh, was in port here. They took the Jacob Javits Center, and they had the uh, Army Corps of Engineers turn it into, like, a makeshift hospital. And I think the entire time they saw, like, less than 20 patients between the two of them. Yeah. So it's just a giant waste of taxpayer money that's being doled out to uh probably whoever is the highest donor to you know yeah. Mitch McConnell or Chuck Schumer or one of these other snakes. And that, that's really what it all comes down to. It's a huge fraud. It People is. are waking up to it and I do think that they overstepped their bounds and kind of overplayed their hand on this one. And a lot of people that just like after 9-11, a lot of people were like, whoa, I'm going to turn into a conspiracy researcher. And then after the bailouts, that got a lot of people active and involved. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are like, this is a little bit too fishy and the lockdowns and the business and losing my savings, not being able to visit my dying grandparent, for example, or something like that, Seriously. just tearing families apart. And, you know, the masses. So when we look at the media or we go to the grocery store. We are examining the masses. And I've said on previous podcasts, it's never the masses that change the course of history. So I try not to allow the behavior of the masses and how, you know, automaton they are to get me feeling pessimistic. Because if we can offer a better alternative, and when it comes to natural health, that's us just radiating healthy, positive vibes, eating well, exercising, having good, happy community, right? Healthy children. People are hopefully going to be like, what's going on over there? But the problem is the propaganda and the us versus them and the fear stuff has gotten so sophisticated that even the healthy family with the unvaccinated kids that are like always glowing and healthy, never go to the doctor. Somehow they're the bad guys. And like we need to stay. You can't come play with my children. You know, your kids aren't vaccinated. I had somebody tell me that before. It's like. That's but I thought the vaccine worked, so you shouldn't be worried about my kids. Not to mention my kids are never freaking sick. Knock on wood. Yeah. But it's, it's I, I just realized you sound like Matthew McConaughey. If I were to close my, my <laughs> eyes, like listening to you talk, you have that like smooth southern drawl like Matthew. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's here in Austin. Yeah. That is a good movie, Dallas Buyers Club. And it's a great example of, of, of gray markets. And I, I want to point out real quick, the MMS, we were talking about the MMS before, and we talked about how my doctor and Xavier, you were talking about this like religious exemption kind of deal and how people utilize that. These guys selling MMS, which is chlorine dioxide, 
Uh, it's gen, it's used in an industrial application as a big cleaner for like hospital equipment and big industrial equipment. And this guy, Jim Humble discovered in his trips to Africa that it actually can, he said, he said that it cures malaria. Yeah. And so he started giving it to people and studying it and come to find out it kills all these other pathogens, viruses, bacteria. It doesn't really harm the good cells. And I can attest to it. Xavier can attest to it. Well, the FDA really does not like it because it's, you know, it's out there drinking. The, it actually smells like pool water. It smells like bleach when you drink it. You dilute it hardcore. I'm not telling you how to take it. You got to do a lot of research before you start taking it. But this guy, they started the Genesis 2 church. Yep. And that's how they sell it. And whenever COVID popped off, Sacrament. these guys are not stealthy agorists like Sal down there. Although I don't know how Sal, how stealthy Sal is on this podcast and <laughs> his podcast. Right. But these guys were like, this stuff cures COVID-19 <laughs> writing articles, doing videos. And the father son duo is in prison now because of it, that they cracked down and they came and finally silenced them. They thought that the church would offer protection. But the cool thing is, is they have like mirror churches and other chapters of the church. But at the end of the day, the recipe for making your own chlorine dioxide, you just go to like a hardware store, whatever, you can get the ingredients. People can make it on their own. So yeah. just a beautiful thing that we have this anti-state remedy that pe many people get help with and they try to shut it down. But just like, you know, Monero or cryptocurrency, you can't yeah. shut it down. It's already out there. Yeah. And once well, the information's I, out there for the smart people, sorry, go ahead, Nicole. I got something. Okay. I was going to say, I just think it's interesting as we talk about things, we keep coming back to church. Huh. Yeah. The idea of a food church or a healthcare church. And, and that's kind of that how the health shares get exempt from some of the regulations that have harmed our healthcare system under yeah. the Affordable Care Act. I wonder at what point we can talk about what that looks like, because that concept of becoming a whatever, an agorist church is one that we could play with and have a lot of fun with, but it does not. All hail protect the us. Of the it does not protect us from everything as in, yeah. because, you know, just because you are a church doesn't mean you're right. going to be above the law. And Except it's hard it. to figure out where those lines are as, as you start going down that road. Yeah. So there's an interesting uh, mineral out there called quinine. It's in tonic water, gin and tonic. Right. And they found that basically that that drug that nobody likes to tout anymore even though it works and the people who produced the most of it in the united states were killed mysteriously in their house um hydroxychloroquine that has been it's proven to work for um arthritis it's proven to work for um i know people who take it for arthritis somebody had asked about that what do you have for arthritis in the, the youtube chat um for decalcifying uh parts of your body right uh getting rid of calcium deposits some people say it's good for the pineal gland, um, but it's also for lupus and, and some other really interesting things. And um, the main ingredient is quinine, right? Um, and the best way to acquire quinine in nature or in our food supply is through grapefruit rinds. And if you take grapefruit rinds, take the grapefruit out of it and then just boil, not boil, you just simmer the rinds in, in like simmering water for a couple hours. That water is full of quinine. You add a little bit of honey to it and you take that a couple times a day and then you're getting your more than your daily dose of quinine. And that's been, uh, I think, scientifically proven to to help prevent viruses. Um, I don't know specifically about COVID, but there's been a lot on the internets about all of that. So there, there's another interesting do-it-yourself kind of uh, 
I don't want to say cure, but, um, you know. There's a lot of them out there that are like that. Like, there's all sorts of different, like, if you got, you got to do your research though, because there's so many different, uh, uh, substances and herbs and naturally occurring fruits and vegetables that have so many different effects. And if you really delve into it, you can go very, very deep into it. Yeah. And they can interfere with other things you're taking, which is why you need to take responsibility for your health and know what you're already putting in your body. So you don't accidentally put something else in there. I was going to say on the arthritis thing, research DMSO, which is not approved for human use, but it is used as an anti-inflammatory in uh, livestock. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing about it is it, it, so I probably can tell this story. So I had a terrible sprain on my ankle from CrossFit and my ankle was as big as a, probably half a basketball and I put DMSO on it because I decided to see if this really worked. And it was ankle sized by the morning. But the thing about DMSO is it penetrates all the way through to your bone. So anything on your surface skin comes in. And I think that's why they're afraid to use it as a treatment. But at the same time, you know, if you paired it with something like, oh, I don't know, comfrey or something, it's bringing that in. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you have gasoline on your skin, you're bringing gasoline and maybe you don't want to do that. But it's really interesting when you start reading about about that for arthritis and what that can mean. I'm not recommending anything and I'm not calling it a cure, but it is something I've looked into as as this thumb gets a little creaky. The C word. I have a, I have a creaky right thumb. There's actually a, a MMS protocol where you add DS, DMSO to it as mm-hmm. well, which is a solvent, right? Kind of similar, yeah. you know, in the, in the whole realm, like an industrial thing. But I've heard people have a lot. I've used DMSO for uh, like a really bad ant bite that was just like really, really itching. You just put a little yeah. DMSO on and it was, it was fine. Um, for the arthritis question, there's been studies that show CBD reverses certain types of arthritis. So that's really freaking cool. CBD is... It, cannabidiol, it's like, it's not THC, but it's a cannabinoid like THC. Although instead of interacting with the CB1 receptor, which is in your brain, it interacts with the CB2 receptor, which is in your spleen, and it helps the body to reach a state of homeostasis. So if you have inflammation or pain, it helps send signals in the body and the body helps to deal with that. And I sell CBD at uh, Brave Botanicals. Somebody wants to go to mybravebotanicals.com. They can pick some up. People also find luck with kratom, with red kratoms when it comes to chronic pain. People find all sorts of relief, back pain, arthritis, fibromyalgia, all sorts of stuff like that. I'm not a doctor. This is what my customers tell me, right? And the funny thing about that whole thing, the big no-no words with the FDA is you can't say treat or cure a disease. And the way that they just completely broaden that is if you speak about anything that stems from a disease, like pain or trouble sleeping, that could be tied to some, you know, some disorder or whatever, or the pain could be tied to the arthritis. And you can't even, when you start to bring that whole world up, Hmm. it's not an approved remedy, then you could get into trouble. But I like to share stories that people have, but that, so we also sell the Kratom. It's red Kratom that a lot of people have luck with in that regard. And I did create a coupon code because I had a feeling Kratom would come up. Not that I would insert it in there, but it's germane. But if people want to use Unloose as the coupon code, then they can get 10% off on, on that. And you can always try a free ounce of Kratom at freeounceofkratom.com. I can't believe we didn't think about this earlier, but when, Nicole, you'd said something about uh, it's you. 
useful for animals. Um, here's a gray area is if you get prescribed a medication and you don't have the money for healthcare or to, to pay thousands of dollars for whatever the, the medication is, like getting the animal, like fish medicine, right? I remember that was going around when we were prepping like a couple of years ago. It's like, if you need these medicines, you can get them from your local doctor, your, your veterinarian with no prescription, basically, um, at your fish food store or whatever. So, and it's the same exact medicine. They're just using it for different animals. So. There's a there's uh, an interesting fish, uh, fish antibiotics. Um, yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, yeah so it's it's ketamine yeah. while you're at it too. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a great well, option. And, and if you want to see how a market ketamine. works in medicine, you can still see it in action at a veterinary's office. Yeah, it's closer to. It's they're starting market. to get more insurance based now, and that that whole layer of insurance messes everything up. Yeah. And like pervert, it's coming into the vets insurance. now, but you know, you think about every animal you've had treated and your experience there and how you're somehow magically able to walk out the door with a bill. Yeah. Even if they've been on an IV and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. And it's somewhat reasonable. But we can't do that for humans because that's too hard. I think maybe like one thing that we haven't touched on so far that we probably should just at least hit uh, briefly is like this whole concept of like antibiotics and how we use them in modern society, because (laughs) we totally overuse antibiotics and, we get a, so much antibiotics just from the, the the farmers and the ranchers that put it into, you know, cows and chickens and stuff like that to prevent the herd from getting sick. And then we eat those animals. And then at the slightest sign of being sick, uh, we we get prescribed antibiotics. So eventually humans are going to develop a resistance to antibiotics. And we're going to enter what's known as um, like the post-antibiotic period, which really sounds like a a nightmare. I mean, could you imagine if you, if there was no antibiotics available to you, uh, if, or if they didn't work, there was no effective antibiotics, and, and you're old and you're sick? I mean, you're screwed. So it's really important that people uh, take it in, in the proper way. They don't overuse or abuse antibiotics or underuse it. Right. True. Doctors like to just throw out like you come in with something, they slap out some antibiotics, and there's even been instances where they'll just throw out two or three, not even knowing which type of antibiotic is germane for whatever you have, not even necessarily knowing what you have. And right. you make a great point about the overuse. Um, it also, it not only does it create the resistant strains of viruses or bacteria, but it also kills good bacteria in your body. And I like to, you know, when governments intervene in the market, they create all sorts of distortions. Same thing when you intervene in your own body and you throw off the natural gut microbiome. That's a very beautiful thing when it's allowed to flourish. It really takes good care of you. And a lot of our immune systems in our gut, most of our immune system. So yeah, definitely there's a time and a place for it, but unless you're in that place, try to keep it natural the best as you can. Colloidal silver is an antiviral, antibacterial, mm-hmm. antimicrobial, yeah. and there's all sorts of studies and research on that as well. That's a good alternative to. But it'll turn you colors. <laughs> the blue man, the gray the man. The blue man, yeah. I've seen blue men before from. It Chlor- can. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Smurf man. I I, uh, I have a sanitizer coming in from overseas, the Balkans area that in their country has been proven to last on surfaces for 60 days and kill. Um, every virus, right? And for 60 days. And that I think will revolutionize the market here in the United States. I mean, imagine the amount of scrubbing and cleaning that people are going to do at schools and hospitals, uh, every night, you know, and being able to have a sanitizer that would be able to last for 
even 30 days, right? But this one lasts 60. So uh, I'll, I'll probably announce that someday, you know, in the near future here. But um, there, there are there are a lot of really interesting solutions out there. You just have to think for yourself, you know, trust your research, do some research, have more than, you know, room temperature IQ and, and be able to like, you know, research, look at things and figure out what will work, what won't yeah. work. Well, I, I think it's also an attitude. Just because a doctor says take this medicine, dude, you need to ask more questions first of all, and yeah. secondly, you need to do some more research to see what what the result of that is. Because it's very easy to get in a situation, especially if you have a complicated problem that you're seeing more than one specialist. They haven't really come up with a a comprehensive approach. And next thing you know, you're taking 20 drugs, some of which might conflict with each other. I think the hardest part about our healthcare system at this point is that you have to run it and you're not the expert necessarily. I mean, I'm the expert on my body at this point, but to Sal's point, I'm going to a doctor when I go to a doctor because it got out of my realm of what I can take care of. Right. Exactly. I I mean, it's, it's the same with like, lawyering right if you if you have some kind of issue and you need legal representation to just sit there and be like i trust my lawyer like that then you're you're not taking part in your own uh litigation or in defending yourself or prosecuting somebody for doing something wrong against you it's like you have to have that that um accountability for your own life you can't pass that on to others the more you do that the more you get into a Mm. status sort of totalitarian system and i think everybody wants like an easy solution or somebody else to take care of things for them and that's just not how life works yeah that's good also i think like agorism and and entrepreneurship are really heavily intertwined so yeah so try try to like think uh like almost like a business mindset right what if you have a great idea that relates to health or something like that bring it to market see what happens uh it's not always easy like I do a lot of e-commerce and one of the things when this whole coronavirus crap uh, went down was I, I decided I was going to start selling those UV uh, sanitizer lights on Amazon uh, because people, uh, it, it's actually, it works really well. Yeah. It has like over 99% effective rate to killing coronavirus, but you can't say that because uh, you, you'll go to jail, right? And it ended up being such a disaster because the EPA considers these things pesticide devices that I, I couldn't even import them. So I abandoned that whole business plan right off the bat, but just goes to show you what, like how much, how difficult they make the provision of healthcare products and services and mm-hmm. devices to the average consumer. And that of yeah. course just drives up the costs of other similar products and whatnot. Yeah. I can't but even if you want it, you can find it. That's the other thing. Yeah. If there's a will, like there's a way. If you figure out there's a thing you need to get and it is not legal to get it, if you decide to find it, you can get it. There's some legal somewhere who's, who's trying to get it to you. Or there are people growing flowers that are called poppies all over your county. They're called. What you do uh, with the poppy after you get it? It's up to you. They're called soldiers. <laughs> In Afghanistan. Yeah. I like how you were saying that, Xavier. Like, um, don't give up that responsibility. Um, and I like to encourage people to at least have a baseline level of knowledge when it comes to how your car works, when it comes to how your body works, when it comes to how the law works. Then when you bring on the expert, 
you at least know the language that they're speaking, know what they're talking about, and you can tell when they're not pulling a fast one on you. So yeah. it's good to kind of be a renaissance man in a variety of things where at least you have that base knowledge where you can keep up with what's going on. You can make sure you're not getting taken for a ride and you can help steer the ship the way where you want it to go. Also, like any expert that you do choose or any professional for anything, right, for healthcare or for your car, they should sort of coincide with your values, what you're, what, with what you're trying to accomplish. So if you don't believe in Western medicine, then don't go see a Western doctor. See an expert in uh, naturopathy or, or something like that. Acupuncture, whatever. Right. As long as they have a permit. Yeah, as long as they have a permit, you know, given to them by the government. If, if there is such a marketplace of ideas and there is such a marketplace of options and opportunities for, for the agorist looking to, to get proper health care. You know, we talked about, um, uh, travel, right? Being able to do, uh, you know, going to Vietnam or Taiwan or going to Mexico, um, medical tourism, they call it. There's private healthcare groups. There's, Memberships that you can join for lower cost um, medicines, though I don't know how effective that's going to be now. Um, there's private care doctors that you pay directly, taking your medicine and your health into your own hands by researching healthy uh, antivirals and, and you know, increasing your, your mineral intake while decreasing your food intake, like Nicole had talked about, you know, growing your own food. So there's a number of ways that you can take your health into your own hands. And and as an agorist, I, I guess I'm an agorist, you know, like I, I, I've known the word, but like when, when Jack was like, Hey, you want to be on this podcast? I was like, yeah, let's talk some cool shit. You know, um, <laughs> this, this is like, I, this has been amazing. Like I'm, I'm talking with people like like-minded people who I feel, why isn't this the norm? You know, like I'm learning this episode basically, and I've kind of known it my whole life. You know, I've always been sort of on the, the outside of the circle, but, um, I thought that, everybody was like me in this way, right? And that, that everybody thought for themselves, but like this whole year has been a, a clear indication that no, it's like people need to learn to take agency and, and, and not proxy their thinking or their decision-making to somebody else simply because they have a degree. You know, how many people do you know that have like drank their way through college? Like, would you want them being a doctor? You know, dude, ha- having your eyes open puts you in the minority position nowadays. It's crazy. Yeah. It's- well, and then questioning any anything, it's like, woo, we don't want critical thinking out the there. Status quo is blasphemous to question it. Xavier, you made me think of something, though, and that is taking ownership of your health and your health care is really hard in an environment where the healthcare care providers themselves have so bought into whatever narrative and cluster fuck that they've built. And it is a cluster. Mm-hmm. It's, I've watched it over the span of my life get more and more centralized and more and more difficult. And you'll say, well, why can't I pay you right now with cash? Right. Um, because, and then they have this reason that makes no sense to an actual person <laughs> that has something to do with a coding center. Right. And, <laughs> and so when you are also sick, it is very hard to advocate for yourself. So I think it's also very important to know who it is and to have several people who can help you, through a serious illness, advocate for yourself and keep your principles moving forward so that you can get the care you need. Mm. Because if you just fall back on yourself and then you're going, you know, you're undergoing some sort of physical thing that has you, your senses are not there. You're in pain all the time. If you don't have that advocate, it's a lot harder to get through all of the like, 
ridiculous science fiction-esque movie control sorts of things that are going on in our healthcare right now. Because one thing we didn't talk about tonight is how bad it is. And that's great because we all know how bad it is, but it is insane. It's like, it's, it's double talk the whole time you're in certain situations or in hospitals. It's horrible. It's, it's why I don't want to go to one. It reminds me of Alan Tullis's, uh quote for the CIA. And I, I don't know if I remember it. Exactly. But it's something like we will have succeeded as our mission as the CIA when everybody believes a lie, like ev- when every whatever everybody believes is a lie. Wow. And it's, yes. Yep. Like and, 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 and they really have. To, and, and I think there is, you know, not to be all patriotic, because remember, I have not been a patriotic individual up until like March, basically. Um <laughs> Because, like, I've seen videos of uh, General Flynn saying this is the last stand on Earth. And it's in so many ways, it like really is like we are the last country that has, you know, a lot of guns besides the Swiss. And we are and, and, and we have way more guns than the Swiss. And uh, uh, the spirit of like we grow our own stuff or we did. That's what the English the revolution was all about. We grow our own stuff. We want to determine ourselves. We don't want to pay taxes and have somebody else decide how we are supposed to conduct our affairs. And so that spirit of freedom is something that is like, I think, in all of us and then in, and in the people who listen. And I think that, you know, if we don't actually stand up for it at some point, it goes away. We We have we can only hide so long. I like you, like you bringing up patriotism and stuff. And when I like back in my Ron Paul days, I thought I was a patriot and hoorah with America. But those characteristics of some Americans, right? Uh, not all Americans by any stretch. Um, those characteristics are part of Americana, right? And part of our heritage as Americans. Uh, the whole rugged individualist, um, overthrowing the British rule self-sustaining agrarian right and that uh desire for independence to the point where we'll fight a revolution or at least people 300 plus years ago will fight a revolution for that i think that that is a beautiful thing and i think that we can be patriots or we can have an adherence to that that essence that phenomenon right and that can be separate from an adherence to the american flag Oh yeah. United States government, you know, and that is a very beautiful thing. And and I agree with you. My buddy, Derek bros, he's like, I don't have any hope for the U S he's moving to Mexico. He wants to build an intentional community down there. And I'm like, hold on, buddy. Don't, don't give up hope on us yet. I, I do think that there is that spark that still exists. Um, but you know, maybe everyone, we got to redouble our efforts, 10 X our efforts. Cause yeah, the, the, the fire is kind of flickering a little bit, but I feel po- positively optimistic still. Well, we need to represent what we're doing in ways that we don't sound completely crazy. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think this conversation is very crazy at all. It I think. isn't. Yeah. And some people will think it is. <laughs> they probably won't be listening or they won't last. Wait, You long pay anywhere. money for your health care. Right. <laughs> I've actually met people who have tooth problems that would cost maybe $1,500, dollars to fix. If they went to Mexico, it would probably be half that. Right. Haven't gotten them fixed for 10 or 15 years because they don't have dental insurance and they can't afford it. Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. $100 a month would have really gotten you in that direction quickly right. in about 12 months or 50 bucks in two years, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you end up with insurance itself is a ridiculous concept. I mean, 
you it know, costs, I mean, dental insurance costs more than what you get from it anyway. It, exactly. And if you're literally paying to not be afraid when you could just educate yourself and not be afraid. Yeah. Save some money. Yeah. All right. Well, we're coming up on uh, nine o'clock. That means we've been rambling, ranting and raving, uh, not sounding crazy, sounding totally normal and coherent. Uh, and <laughs> we didn't have now. any really good rants tonight. What's up with that? I mean, I kind of went off a little bit on, on the whole on patriotism in America. <laughs> um, let's, uh, before we wrap up, let's ask, uh, let me just see what y'all's outlook is on this whole vaccine rollout, the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. I think it's going to be a pretty big deal how it all pans out. I think there's going to be more people that don't take the vaccine than the government probably anticipates. Trump has communicated that he'll use the military to roll it out. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but just real quick, uh, give us some predictions or what you might what we should worry about, if anything, what do you think it's going to look like? Any last insights on that before we wrap up? Maybe Hawk will start with you. Okay. Sal, okay. Sal's about to say something. Go, Sal. Switch into Sal. Go, Sal. Oh, I was just going to say, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I think it's, it's definitely coming, but I see, I'm not a doctor. I always, I was always under the impression that a vaccine, there was no cure for a virus, right? That was the whole problem with AIDS, right? Is that you can't cure a virus. You can only cure a bacterial infection, not a viral infection. So I must be misunderstanding something there that about the way that they're going to cure a coronavirus. That seems like a really big medical breakthrough that should be, have have much more attention paid to it. Unless, like I said, I'm, I'm misunderstanding something, but I won't, I will never be vaccinated. The, The government will never inject my living body with a foreign substance. Uh, and then that doesn't, that goes for any, anything. I don't even really believe in coronavirus and everybody has their own opinion, but I, I damn sure will never be injected by some politician. It'll be a cold, cold day in hell. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. How do you really feel, Sal? <laughs> <laughs> I am with Sal 100% on that. There is, there is no way somebody is going to, to say you have to take an injection uh, for a virus that has a mortality rate and an, and a, in a mortality rate under, under 0.00001%, right? That's just ridiculous. That the, I, so what my prediction is though, is that they're going to try to roll it out on other parts of the world. You know, like in Australia, they're already talking about it. Um, they're arresting people for posting on Facebook in Australia now, by the way. This is a Western country, uh, or, you know, it's technically in the East, but it's a Western mentality, Western culture. And, um, and they're, they have to comply because they have no guns, poor guys and gals. Whereas here in the United States, there's enough people that have woken up that it, it'll be civil war if they, if they mandate it. You know, um, the, the federal government has not even mandated masks, right? This is all regional governments and regional governors and county level bullshit. Um, and so what I see Trump doing is being like, we're going to have ma- like, we're going to do everything that you expect to help take care of this so that you, we can appease your irrational fears, people of the United States. And so that the media doesn't say I'm a horrible person because they're going to anyway, but like they would really go off the charts if that were the case. And he's going to make them available. And just like the Mercy and the Hope and the Javits Center, nobody's going to fucking use it. And he's not going to mandate it, but they're going to try to get it in like, you know, different ways. Like you can't travel or you can't go mm-hmm. into business or you can't go to school. And that's really at the regional level. And like if, 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 you know, just to, to say if people want to stop that, then get their governors out of the way, get their regional and, and county level, you know, um, 
rulers out of the way. Yeah. What do you think, Nicole? I think it's a test run. I think this whole thing is a test run to see how far they can go. I think a lot of learning is happening right now, and this is not the big takeover that everybody has feared. Um, and the vaccine, and so I'm going back to liberty on this one. So what we've been watching happen to personal freedom um, is that they chip away a little bit at it and they try to go further and then that doesn't work. So they run back mm-hmm. and then they chip away a little bit more of it because it seems more reasonable. It's the concept, the Overton window concept. We've been watching that happen for a long time. And this vaccine concept, I think, is just another way way to chip away at the liberties. So they're making us all scared that they're going to mandate it. And they may try to put on the local level, some, some controls in like, you can't go to public schools if you don't have it. They do that with other vaccines already. Right. They already know they can do that. I saw somebody on YouTube say they'll force military to take it. Yeah. that You can't say no. Right. You've signed that. You've signed your life away at that point. Um, but it's still a test run. I don't think that, I don't think they're ready to go big, but they're going to learn from our reaction. And the more people who don't take it, and who demand to be free anyway, the better off we are because they can't push into our personal liberties as far. Right on. What about you, John? Well, I think that as far as Trump goes, I have kind of appreciated Trump's approach to all of this stuff. I'm not a big Trump guy, but I appreciated how he's more hands off. And like you said, it was like, 15 days to slow the spread. You guys take responsibility. And remember when everyone was like, there's going to be a nationwide lockdown. I heard it from my cousin's right. sister's right. Yeah. neighbor that works with FEMA. And yeah, Get that my, papers. My, my security yeah. Guy. Um, that never happened, of course. And I knew that was people were saying that when Trump was already under the 15 days to slow the spread. So yeah. he wouldn't want to get called out at a press conference like I thought it was 15 days to slow the spread. So I'm not worried about the federal approach as much as the local and state, especially in liberal Democrat controlled cities where they have no problems overreaching on your rights. And I do think that there's going to be a privilege kind of deal, taking away privileges like travel entering this particular store. They did it with Real ID Act when they forced compliance with the Real ID, which is like a national ID that has this common biometric schema. And they said the states that don't comply or the people that don't comply by X date can't fly and can't access federal buildings. I don't know why you would want to access a federal building in the first place because if you have a federal (laughs) trial. but So I think that they might try to roll something out like that. But I think Nicole is is right in that the more people that resist, the the better it is for our cause, for for the skeptics out there and the critical thinkers. Yeah. Um, but I think they're just going to continue to do the frog in the boiling pot mentality, which is another image that came to mind when Nicole was sharing her thoughts on it. Um, but we just, you know, we got to resist. And I think we'll wrap up there. I, I want to wait, wait one second to that yeah, end. September 11th and September 15th. I've seen both of those days for burn your mask days that are going to oh, be yeah. nationwide uh, burn your mask protests, which is like, hell yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I've even seen like posts and people being like, I want them all back. I demand all my rights back. I want to be able to travel through an airport without having my wife and children groped and prodded and, yeah. x-rayed. you know, like, I mean, people are starting to wake up. A lot Hopefully. of people. 
in mass. And there's this whole thing, like the whole, I know that you're a fan of some of the Q stuff, right, Xavier? There's this whole element where that is like a huge movement, you know? Yeah. And whether people subscribe to it or not, it's a lot of people that are questioning the government and doing, you know, getting into some pretty deep kind of research. And, I mean, old biddies, like old little ladies are like talking yeah. to me about Q. And like, I'm watching, you know, I'm not like, yeah, trust the plan and everything's going to work out fine. Like, I think that we're still in for a big, heavy kind of storm coming. And I, I, you know, I just hope that the uh, that enough people are waking up that they know what side of the fence that they're going to be on when things kind of kind of fall apart, because I still think things are going to fall apart to a big degree. The, the, the man is like really tightening his grip. But at that same time, the more that he tightens it, the more it slips out. He's yeah. like squeezing us out and they're just they sort of overplayed like their hand. seed. That's right. Slippery <laughs> goose. That needs All to right. be a t-shirt, Sal. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Nicole, Sal, and Xavier. This has been a great uh, edition of the Unloose the Goose podcast. I want to thank everyone that tuned in to us live and everyone that's listening on the podcast or after the matter on YouTube. Check out UnlooseTheGoose.com. You can join our Telegram chat. There's links to the Facebook group. You can also subscribe to our newsletter. And I want to shout out again, I think it was Melissa and some other folks are putting together the show notes and going through the old podcast and gathering up all that stuff. So thank you so much. We really appreciate that. And I'm going to end it on a quote from Michael Badnerick regarding um, mandatory vaccines. He says, if you want to force me to take a vaccine, you bring the syringe and I'll bring my 45 and we'll see which one leaves a bigger hole. Thanks. Peace, guys. Um, Unloose the goose. We'll take no.